0: Listen, if you were not here last week, you will want to get online. You'll want to stop by our media center in the lobby. You will want to get a copy of last Sunday's service and and last Sunday's message. We began a a series that actually I'm I'm really excited about it, a series called Soul Train. and talking about getting connected with what God's doing, getting connected with the power of God, getting connected with with the Spirit of God. I want you to understand this fully. That everything that this book promises, every one of those promises and every one of those divine enablements are for you, okay? All of, all of the gifting, all of the empowerment, all of the things that you see written in the Word of God, every last one of them are for today. And here's, here's what the Word of God says. It says that signs and wonders follow them that believe, And so what that means is this, it means that if we're going to be people of the word, if we're going to be living what God has for us, signs and wonders will be a part of what we do, right? We should be experiencing that on a regular basis, not just corporately as a church, but each one of us individually in our life. And this issue of signs and wonders, that's not due to the amount of holiness you have, it's due to the power of God. So it's available to everyone for all who believe prophet Joel prophesied, Peter affirmed, and so it's available for you today. Things are not always as they seem. I, I, shared, this, I shared this on social media the other day. Uh, 32 years ago, uh, Jody and I were married. Uh, 32 years ago on Thursday. Our, our, our wedding anniversary is July 27, uh, 1985, and uh, And, and, I, and I, sh- I shared this on social media. I said, 32 years ago, I had a very frustrating day and, 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 and a, a very challenging experience. And then I said, 32 years ago, I was married. Right? Jody and I had our wedding. And I said, now that might pique your curiosity, why would I say that my my wedding was challenging? Well, it was challenging for two reasons. One, I did not share on social media, and the other one I did. Uh, On on the way to our wedding, I got stuck behind uh, the funeral of what had to be the most popular man in America at the time. I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments, and I will tell you, I'm one of those people that I, I, I think it's important to honor, and so if there's a funeral procession, I, I'm, I'm going to stop for it, and so I stopped for this funeral procession, but but after a while, I actually said this out loud to myself, right, the people in the funeral procession couldn't hear me, but I said this to myself, don't judge me, but I said, come on, let the living live. I mean, this thing was just crazy long, and I thought, it's, it's not good to be to be late for your own wedding, and uh, and so... Uh, but then after we we had the, we had the wedding uh, and then Jody and I stayed to help clean up the church afterwards. Um, yeah, that was kind of an interesting deal. That was part of part of the church letting us use the use the church facility. Let me mention this: I was on staff at the church, uh, and they were so gracious that they let us use the church if we would stick around after we got married and clean it up. And uh, and uh, not that's not something we would do here at Calvary anyway. Um, uh, and then we, we, were, we were married in Mullen, Illinois, and we began our, our, our honeymoon in Chicago about uh, a little, little over two hours away. And so because we had stayed afterwards to clean up the church, we were kind of tired once we were headed for Chicago. And so uh, as soon as we got on the, uh, on the highway, Jody reclined her seat back all the way to where she could rest on the trip. And we're driving along, and, uh, and people are passing us, right? And our, our car is fully decorated, just married, all that, you know, all the balloons and stuff like that. I was assured, Jody's family assured me that they were going to protect our car to make sure this didn't happen, when in fact, they had a devious plot uh, to just go crazy on our car. And uh, so we got there, and it was fully, you know, shaving cream and all the other business. And uh, so I'm driving down the road in this clown mobile, uh, just married. And, and, of course, that makes people, as they drive by, right, they're honking and waving until they get up beside the car, and they look, and all they see is a guy. <laughs> and so they're, they're, they go from smiling to uh, – I finally, uh, after, after, about, after about 45 minutes, of this, I said, Jody, you have to sit up. I can't take it anymore. I can't I can't I take can't take these people looking at me with pity or 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 I don't know judgment, right? I wonder what he did wrong. And he probably showed up late, got stuck by a funeral. And so I said I said, dear, you gotta you gotta help me. You gotta you gotta you gotta sit up. And uh, things are not always as they seem. And, and that's, that's due sometimes just to circumstances of life. You know, people thought there was this poor guy that had been jilted at the altar when, in fact, his wonderful bride was just uh, reclining there. It, we, we face that in, in the world a lot where things aren't always as they seem. I want to I wanna show you something. I want to show you i um, uh, I'm going to have the, the, tech, the tech guys put this up on the screen. I want to show you a monument. Uh, and this monument... Is, it's called the Boot Monument, and it is in the Saratoga National Park, which was the s- scene of the Battle of Saratoga in the Revolutionary War. And uh, this is this is the back side of the monument. On the front side, there's an inscription. And uh, and the, the inscription on this monument is it's interesting. It says this: "In memory of the most brilliant soldier of the Continental Army." I, I want that to sink in for you. "In memory of the most brilliant soldier of the Continental Army." who was desperately wounded on this spot, winning for his countrymen the decisive battle of the American Revolution and for himself the rank of major general. Let me tell you about this person for whom this monument was was erected. Uh, He was first wounded in the foot in the Battle of Quebec. He, he He was further injured in the Battle of Ridgefield when his horse was shot out from underneath him. And and then in the Battle of Saratoga, his leg was injured so severely that it ended his days as a fighting soldier. But it did not end him having a major influence in the American Revolution. It's interesting, the Boot Monument, it, it, it tells his story. But it doesn't tell his name. It doesn't tell his name because the Battle of Saratoga happened in 1777. In 1780, this soldier was given command over West Point in July of 1780. In in September of 1780, he arranged for the sum of 6,000 pounds. It was supposed to be 20,000 pounds British. He only got 6,000 pounds. For 6,000 pounds, he arranged for West Point to fall to the British. His name is Benedict Arnold. Benedict Arnold went on to lead the British Army and battles in Virginia and Connecticut. In fact, it was said that uh, at one time when he was battling in Virginia, that they, they in the midst of a battle, they, they caught some revolutionary soldiers, and they caught one particular witty officer. And, and uh, Arnold, Benedict Arnold engaged in conversation with him, and he said, so what do you think they would do if they captured the famous Benedict Arnold? And this, this rather uh, a plucky uh, officer uh, made this statement. He said, he said, here's what they would do. They would cut off the leg which was wounded when you were fighting so gloriously for the cause of liberty. And they would bury that with full military honor. The rest of you, they would hang from a gibbet. No doubt, when General Washington was sitting with his close friend, Benedict Arnold, he... He had no way of knowing what was, to, what was to come. As they were decorating him as a remarkable soldier, as the monuments would say, "The most brilliant soldier of the Continental Army." N- no one could know the character flaw that was there and what, what lie beneath. We are first introduced to Satan in the Genesis account when he comes to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And here's how he comes. Excuse me. What did God say to you? What did God say to you? What did he say about this, this, the tr- this tree, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, he said if we, if we eat from that, we will die. Oh, That's not true. See, God told you that because he's trying to put you down. He's trying trying to keep you from experiencing your full potential. See, God knows this, that if you eat from that tree, that you'll have all the power that he has. And he's just trying to oppress you. The first time that we are introduced to Satan, the enemy of our faith, He comes to man seemingly as a friend, seemingly as an aide. When Satan tempts Jesus, what's the first thing that he deals with? Jesus, you're probably hungry. Which makes sense because Jesus had just spent 40 days fasting in the wilderness. Listen, you're obviously hungry. Why don't you take this stone and turn it into bread? See, the enemy will always come initially, friend. The enemy will always come initially as a friend. The enemy will always come initially as a help. The enemy will always initially convince you that he's looking out for your best interest. And this is true individually, and this is true as a church. Benedict Arnold always looks like some, somebody you absolutely want to have in your life. I guarantee you that General Washington and much of the leadership of, of the continental U.S. that they thought that they really needed Benedict Arnold on their team. Little did they recognize the cancer that was in their midst. Little did they realize the evil that lurked among them. This is the reason why when the Apostle Paul, when he writes to the church at Ephesus, as he explains to them how to live the life that God has in store for us, how to live the life that God's called us, When he gets to the end, he says this. He says, finally, what I want you to do is I want you to put on the full armor of God. I want you to put on the full armor of God. Be strong in the Lord and and, and, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 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 Say that word with me. Schemes. Say it again. Schemes. One more time schemes. It doesn't even feel good, does it? Right? When you say that word, what does it do inside you? Doesn't it kind of unsettle you inside, kind of unsettle your spirit a little bit? And here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to take our stand against the devil's schemes. And and he he tells us this, that that we put on the full armor of God. Why? Because our battle is not against this struggle that we have. It's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark, dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, Paul says, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand. And having done everything to stand, stand therefore. And then he gives this list, and and most of the time when we see people talk about this list, they'll, they'll they will refer to the, the, the six aspects of spiritual armor that we see recorded in Ephesians chapter six, and and they'll they'll talk about six aspects because that's what we have that really where there where there is a, a correlation, right? Um, something that, that that gives us that gives us a, a metaphor. And so, so he, he, he tells us this, okay, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, uh, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist, with the best breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, take the... The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, oftentimes when people talk about the the, spir- the spiritual armor, they'll talk about those aspects, right? Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, peace, faith, salvation, uh, the 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 Word of God, and uh, and th- this idea of 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 walking uh, and, and 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 living in the Spirit. Okay? here's here's the here's the scripture that I really want to uh, hone in on this morning and that I want us to grasp. And that's this. Ephesians 16 tells us this. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. And if you get nothing else out of this morning, I want you to get this. That God gives us these divine enablements. God gives us this Protection for what the enemy wants to do against us, right? And the way that we energize those gifts, those divine enablements, that spiritual weaponry, the way that we energize that is through prayer. See, understanding spiritual armor, understanding spiritual weaponry, and yet, not connecting it to prayer is like having a car that has no gasoline. It, it's, it's that prayer. It's that, it's that connection with the Father. It's that, it's that dynamic of intersecting with the Spirit of God that causes this spiritual weaponry to be effective. And, and that's the reason why you cannot look at the six elements of spiritual weaponry Without looking at the context, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. Now, let me let you in on a a key key secret. Are you ready for this? You are not immune to spiritual warfare you will be daily, you are daily, not will be, you are daily influenced by the enemy. Because the enemy, the enemy of God still hates God. And he doesn't like you very much either. And if you are, if you are not walking in the right relationship with God, the enemy works overtly and covertly in your life to keep you bound. If you are walking with God, the enemy works overtly and covertly in your life to try to pull you away from the principles and the promises and the power of God. And so it's very important that we in life, that we have an understanding of this, and we have an understanding of the spiritual warfare that we are, absolutely will engage in, and that we're well prepared to do it. See, I'm convinced of this, I'm 100% convinced of this, that God has brought Calvary into a new season. You can see it in the worship. You can, if you listen to the testimony of what's happening in people's lives, both victories that they're experiencing and the way that the enemy is trying to come against them. You can see that Calvary has turned an incredible corner, and God has brought us into what is uh, going to be an amazing, uh, I believe, a historic season. I, I, be- I, I believe that with every fiber of my being. And I would, do a, I, would, I would do you a disservice as your pastor and your friend if I didn't in talking with you about spiritual gifts talk to you very early on in the process about this issue of spiritual warfare and and, and give you a healthy understanding of what it means to to live this life in the Spirit, what it means to walk in the Spirit. So I, I want to talk to you this morning about God's game plan for spiritual victory. God's game plan for spiritual gift And and, and we see it laid out here in Ephesians chapter 6. And here's what Paul does. In Ephesians chapter 6, when he gives this this listing of the spiritual weaponry, what he's in essence doing uh, to the church at Ephesus and and through the the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to us today in 2017, what he's doing is this. He says, finally, right? Ephesians chapter 6, he says, finally. So so he's giving a summary of everything that he's talked about in Ephesians 1 up to that point. He's talked about these principles in detail. And now what he's doing is he's summarizing them. He's saying, okay, listen, finally, having understand all of this, having a recognition of who God is, what he's done in your life, the things that the enemy will try to do, having a full understanding of that, it just makes sense to stand strong in the Lord and in the might of his strength. Understand the schemes of the devil. Now, I want to give you something that I think will help you. Power of God, schemes of the devil. Power of God, schemes of the devil. Do you catch the difference? There's a significance, okay? Power has inevitable impact. Let me say that again. Power has an inevitable impact. Schemes only work if you fall for them. Right? Power has an inevitable impact. Schemes only work if you give in to them, if you fall for them. And we we walk with the power of God, standing ready to deal with the schemes of the enemy. Therefore, we don't have to walk in fear of what the enemy does because he's simply a schemer. And so we don't have to walk in fear and anxiety of them as long as we have an understanding of and engage with the power of God. All right? I, uh, I grew up in a In a household, on the 12th of 13 children, I had six brothers and six sisters, Uh, six older brothers, uh, five older sisters, one younger sister. And my older brothers loved to play tricks on one another. Well, they really, they loved to play tricks mainly on me, okay? And they would do things like this. I would be outside uh, um, mowing the grass, and they would go, hey. Uh, and they, they, would, they would they would, call me by, uh, I, you guys know me as Ed. I didn't grow up as Ed. I grew up, uh, my name growing up is, I know you're going to, if you haven't already heard this, you're going to love this and appreciate this because it really speaks to my character. Um, I grew up um, with the name Butch. Okay. Doesn't it have a nice ring to it? Pastor Butch. See, doesn't just Yeah. And... um and so I, um, I grew up with the name Butch. I grew up with the name Butch because my father showed up drunk the day that I was born, walked, looked at me and said, that's not my kid, that's my business partner's kid. And so he named me after his business partner. His business partner's name was Ed, and so he named me after his business partner. Which, by the way, I'm the spitting image of my father, not this dude named Ed. Uh, but my father, when he sobered up, was pretty embarrassed about that, and so he never called me by my given name, and he called me Butch. And so that name stuck until college, and then I realized that, uh, and if you're here and your name is Butch, man, hey, we've got a kindred spirit, but I thought, you know, in the professional world, I don't know many high-powered people named Butch other than football coaches, and, uh, and so uh, uh, so I started to embrace my name, Ed. And let me make this further clarification as it relates to my name. Uh, some of you, knowing that my name is Ed, you will call me Edward. Don't ever do that. And I'm going to explain to you why. Because the word, the name Edward means friend. And if you're here and your name is Edward, your family gave you that name. And you know what? You need to embrace that name proudly because it's wonderful to have the name that means friend, don't you think? But Edwin means wealthy friend. Do you catch the difference? And I'm not willing to give up that other part. And so, uh, but anyway, uh, my, 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 my brothers would do things like I remember one time specifically. They they called me and they said, "Hey, would you come in? Hey, you know what? You're out there mowing the grass and we're sitting in here in the air conditioning. Here, we made you some lemonade. Yeah. You would think I would know better. I took it, but took a drink of it, and it was it was like one part lemonade, one part alum. For those of you that don't know what alum is, alum is the substance that you use to make pickles. Right? And so I took a drink of this and I did not realize that your cheeks can actually meet in the center of your mouth. We had, a, we had a somewhere, one of my brothers had found a transformer off of a neon sign. I don't know what kind of current this thing produced, but I know that we were able to etch our names into concrete with the thing. They would take, attach this thing to a door handle and call you into the room. And And I'm telling you, I felt my teeth tingle. It it might explain some of the issues that I have today, but I was only in trouble if I grabbed hold of the door. I would share with you the worst thing that my my brothers and sisters did to me, but because this is a family worship day, I'm not going to do it. Um, Let me just say this. Pray for me. And... Pray for them because God have mercy on their souls. Um, God has given us everything that we need to respond to the schemes of the devil. And the first thing that he's given us is this. If we look at this list from Ephesians chapter 6, he's given us truth. We're told that we're supposed to stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The, The belt of truth, that protection of truth. Jesus said this in John chapter 8. He was He was talking to a group of, of of those that were gathered, Jews that were gathered around him. And he said, Listen. Listen. Listen to what I'm saying. Because if you listen to what I'm saying, if you if you connect with this, then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It's interesting the response of those around them. They go, we've never been slaves. We've always been free. Which, which was interesting that they would say this when they were a, a people that was currently under this massively oppressive thumb of Rome. Right? But more than that, Jesus wasn't even talking about Roman oppression. He goes on to say this. He says, listen, everyone that sins is a slave to sin, and make no mistake, you guys are sinners. Right? But he says this, if you're a slave, a slave has no permanent place in the family. But a child does. A child has a permanent place in the family. And what I'm offering you is I'm offering you an opportunity to be a part of God's family. He says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. If you will know that, if you, you, you if you have an understanding of the truth, the truth will set you free. This is the reason why Paul, when Paul wrote to the church at Romans, he says this: They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship the created things instead of the Creator. Now Paul wrote that almost two thousand years ago, but that is profoundly relevant today. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped the created things instead of the Creator. See, when we, when we understand the truth, the truth about who God is, the truth about who we are, the truth about God's creation, the truth about God's plan for us, then we can embrace the over 7,000 promises that are in this Word, then we can live with the 365 fear nots that are in this Word. It will only happen as we, as we know the truth and as we walk in the truth. See, the devil is a liar. And, and that's, that's what his schemes are. They are They are lies. But remember this, they are schemes. And remember, the devil will always come at you first saying that he's going to help you. Let me, let me, let me, let me give you one example. Let me, talk about, let me talk to you about one spirit that is evident in the church world. And it's the Jezebel spirit. Now, the Jezebel spirit, uh, oftentimes when th- people think about a Jezebel spirit, they think about a female. The Jezebel spirit is neither male nor female. The Jezebel spirit can be in anyone. And the Jezebel spirit is a controlling, manipulative spirit. And the Jezebel spirit always comes, I'm going to help you. The Jezebel spirit always perceives themselves to, be, themselves to be a prophet or a prophetess, right? They have a word from God for you, and they want to help you. The Jezebel spirit always pushes back against authority. Right, They always have a better plan than authority, which is contrary to what the Word of God says about how we're supposed to honor, honor authority, how we're supposed to walk under authority. Jesus demonstrated walking under authority. His disciples demonstrated walking under authority. But the, the, the person that lives with the Jezebel spirit, they always perceive themselves to be the authority. And here's what they'll do. They'll come to you initially saying, I've got an encouragement for you. They'll come to you and say, I have a word for you. And then what they do is they look to control you. And it is amazing, number one, how rampant the Jezebel spirit is in the church world today. And number two, how easily we fall for it. And, and part of it is, is this. Um, it, it, the, the, the Jezebel spirit, that, that, that person that's operating the Jezebel spirit, they will speak things that appear to be prophecy into your life. And on some of them, they'll land, and, and, and it'll be truthful. But understand this, that, that they're doing that in a manipulative fashion. And they, they, they initially connect with you, and you think that they're, to, that they're there to help you. And they're, they're not there to help you. They're there to pull you away from the unity of the Spirit. They're there to pull you away from the koinonia fellowship with the body of Christ. They come... As an ambassador of light. And yet what they're bringing is they're bringing darkness. But when we understand the motivation and when we understand the schemes of the devil and instead we walk in truth, we live in freedom. See, we don't have to live with anxiety. We don't have to live with that. We don't have to live with stress. The Word of God says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We, we far too often, as, as children of God, we live our lives on the verge of freaking out because we forget the difference between the power of God and the schemes of the devil. The power of God schemes of the devil. Or we forget not the difference between the two, we forget that the power of God exists, or we fail to recognize the schemes of the devil in our life. It's a reason why the Word of God challenges us. Having done everything to stand, stand therefore. Right? Putting on the full armor of God. And it starts with this issue of truth. Understanding and living the truth. Here's here's how Paul said it in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this, "All of us lived among them, among among the pagans at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved." One of the biggest things that I have to help people navigate through is this issue of guilt and shame. Guilt, I did something bad. Shame, I am something bad. And it, it, is, it is tragic how many people are convinced that their faults and failures are so big that somehow God can't forgive it. But when we know the truth, the truth sets us free. And God wants us to walk, and he wants us to live in truth. And, and, and walking and living in that truth, what it then allows us to understand is it allows us to understand our righteousness. Right? So what we're supposed to do is the, we're supposed to have the belt of truth around our waist, and we're supposed to have the breastplate of righteousness. Right? So that r- the righteousness that comes from God, the right standing that we have with God, it covers us. Have you ever, uh, ever found yourself in a situation where someone that you interact with regularly, that you owe them a debt, and it goes long enough in not paying the debt that it's uncomfortable, right? And, uh, and it's, it's, it's one of those things, it's like... Uh, Hey, uh, yeah, it's uh, 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 hey, hey, great to, great to, great, yeah, hey, great to see you, right? And we, we don't want to, we don't want to, we don't want to connect them because we're like, oh, I just, I, you know, I just, man, I know that I owe them, and I, I get that, and I just, I just, I just, I just feel bad. I see folks come into church every Sunday. And they struggle with engaging in worship. And they struggle with engaging in worship because they're convinced that they owe this debt to God. Right? Or or they, they owe this debt to the people around them. There's an old worship song that says this. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away, but I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. See, you walk in here today, and I understand that you might have some natural obligations, but beyond the natural into the supernatural, which is much more important, friends, if you have accepted the free gift of grace that Jesus Christ makes available, you are debt-free. So you have a right standing with God. That's, that's, that's righteousness, right? So when we embrace the truth, when we have the, the, our, the, the, the belt of truth, Knowing what God has said, knowing the principles and the promises of God, and that we have right standing with Him that guards our heart, that then allows us to move in life, right? Our feet are now shod with the gospel, the good news of peace. See, I can walk having peace with God and having peace with those around me because I know that I have right standing with God because of the truth that He has declared, over me, about me. Do you see how the spiritual weaponry, how it builds one upon another? When I know the truth, I understand that I have right standing with Him, and that gives me the opportunity to live and to move and to breathe. Some of us, what we need to do is we just need to go, Whoa. it's okay. It's okay. Pastor, you don't understand, okay? I'm three car payments behind on my car. If they come and take my car, how am I going to get around? It's all right. Listen, has God taken care of you to this point? Now, you might not be driving that 2017 car. You might be next week getting around on a bicycle, right? Because, friend, God didn't promise you the Cadillac. I don't care what Bob Tilton said. Here's what he promised. He promised that he would meet your need. Right? And so in that, I can can breathe a little bit. And I can live this life of faith. Right? Right? What is faith? Faith. I learned this. I learned this years ago, the difference between fear and faith. What is fear? Fear. I love this acronym, false evidence appearing real. And I can live my life walking in fear or I can live my life walking in faith. And here's what faith is. And this is, I'd love to take credit for this definition, but it's not from me. It's from Donut Man. And if, 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 if you're here and you don't know what Donut Man is, especially if you've got children or grandchildren, you need to learn Donut Man. Donut Man is from back in the day, but Donut Man, the principles of Donut Man are still good. And Donut Man, theres listen, there's a hole in your heart. I learned that from the Donut Man. The other thing that I learned from the Donut Man is this, is that faith is trusting in a great big God. He can move the mountain. He can calm the sea. Faith is trusting in a great big God because he takes care of you and me. So when I, when I know the truth that I can stand in righteousness and I'm, <laughs> I'm able then to move forward in peace, Here's what happens. My faith is energized. I begin to believe God for everything that he said in here. Why? Because I'm saved. I'm wearing that helmet of salvation. I want to key on two of these pieces of weaponry for a moment. You ready? Ready? Breastplate of righteousness protects my heart, right? When my emotions start to go crazy, the breastplate of righteousness protects my heart. I have right standing with God. And when my mind starts to run wild, I know I've got that helmet of salvation. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. saved. I love this term. I'm saved from the guttermost to the uttermost. I'm saved. Okay, So when your emotions run wild and your mind starts going crazy, you've got to recognize, friend, that breastplate of righteousness. You've got to recognize that helmet of salvation. And when I have that breastplate of righteousness that I can appreciate and appropriate because I understand the truth, I can move forward in peace because I'm energized In faith, when the enemy comes at me, I remind myself of salvation. It's at that point that it makes it very easy to pick up the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God and use it to be a help in my life and use it to be an impact in my world. How do I do this? How do I connect With the truth. We live in a world of lies. What's the big buzzword now? Fake news. Let me tell you something. Fake news is nothing new. You don't want to know when fake news began? Genesis chapter 3. That's the beginning of fake news. You know when fake news ends? When Jesus splits the eastern sky. Until then, you will always have to deal with fake news. But you will know the truth, and the truth the truth will set you free. And here's the truth. You ready? You are a sinner. You are a big, 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 big sinner. Okay? Sinner, sinner, chicken dinner. You are a sinner. You're a sinner. For there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God demonstrated his love for us, and while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. So yes, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> Everything I've just shared, it's, it, that's a quote out of the book. So the truth is this. Yes, you are a sinner. Well, now, Pastor, I'm a good person. You're, You're imperfect, so you're a sinner. See, Jesus Christ is your salvation. And when we know that truth and we embrace that truth, then we live with this right standing, guarding our heart ready to go. Energized in knowing that God's giving us this great and precious promises. See, that's, that's why Paul, when he, when, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about the, sp- the, the spiritual weaponry, spiritual armor. Before that, he, he prays two prayers. In Ephesians 3, he says this. I pray that you will be strengthened in your inner being. I pray that you'll be strengthened in your inner being, that you you have the ability, together with all the saints, to grasp how enormous God's love is. Ephesians 1, he, he, he prays this prayer. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be open or that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. <sighs> the riches of this inheritance that he makes available to us and his Unbelievable, unmistakable power for those of us who believe. So, how do I connect with that? Here's the key and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Calvary is not unlike a lot of churches. We get a lot less people to show up for prayer than we do for potlucks. I, I don't say that judgmentally. I say that observationally. I want to say that again because I want it to sink into your spirit. We get a lot less people to show up for prayer than we do for potlucks. I, I want to tell you, 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 want to have a, you want to have an even greater experience on Sunday mornings? Come on campus at 9 a.m., and come and spend a half hour down in our chapel with the team that prays. Because I'm telling you, the more people that we get praying before church, the more power we will see in church. And here's what Jesus said. He said, and my house will be a house of prayer.